He pondered. All the time he was with Gellock, he had tried to learn from him, tried to understand what the wizard was telling him. Yet he was certain now that Gellock's ideas, the teaching he so eagerly imparted, had nothing to do with his power or with any true power. Mining and refining were indeed great crafts with their own mysteries and masteries. But Gellock seemed to know nothing of those arts. His talk of the old king and the red mother was mere words, and not the right words. But how did Otter know that? In all his flood of talk, the only word Gellock had spoken in the old tongue, the tongue of which wizard spells were made, was the word Taurus. He had said it meant seaman. Otter's own gift of magery had recognized that meaning as the true one. Gellock had said the word also meant quicksilver, and Otter knew he was wrong. His humble teachers had taught him all the words they knew of the language of the making. Among them had been neither the name of seaman nor the name of quicksilver. But his lips parted, his tongue moved. Oh, Yazur, he said. His voice was the voice of the slave in the stone tower. It was she who knew the true name of Quicksilver and spoke it through him. Then for a while he held still, body and mind, beginning to understand for the first time where his power lay. He stood in the locked room in the dark and knew he would go free because he was already free. A storm of praise ran through him. After a while, deliberately, he re-entered the trap of spell bonds, went back to his old place, sat down on the pallet, and went on thinking. The prisoning spell was still there, yet it had no power over him now. He could walk into it and out of it, as if it were mere lines painted on the floor. Gratitude for this freedom beat in him as steady as his heartbeat. He thought what he must do and how he must do it. He wasn't sure whether he had summoned her or she had come of her own will. He didn't know how she had spoken the word of the old tongue to him all through him. He didn't know what he was doing or what she was doing, and he was almost certain that the working of any spell would rouse Gallic. But at last, rashly and in dread, for such spells were a mere rumour among those who had taught him his sorcery, he summoned the woman in the stone tower. He brought her into his mind and saw her as he had seen her, there, in that room, and called out to her, and she came. Her apparition stood again just outside the spiderweb cords of the spell, gazing at him and seeing him, for a soft, bluish, sourceless light filled the room. Her sore, raw lips quivered, but she did not speak. He spoke, giving her his true name. I am Medra. I am Onyep, she whispered. How can we get free? His name. Even if I knew it, when I'm with him, I can't speak. If I was with you, 
I could use it. I can't call you. But I can come, she said. He looked round and he looked up. Both knew that Gellock had sensed something, had wakened. Otter felt the bonds close and tighten and the old shadow fall. I will come, Metra, she said. She held out her thin hand in a fist, then opened it, palm up, as if offering him something. Then she was gone. The light went with her. He was alone in the dark. The cold grip of the spells took him by the throat and choked him, bound his hands, pressed on his lungs. He crouched, gasping. He could not think. He could not remember. Stay with me, he said.